This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, once you got your Bible again, go to the book of James chapter number one. Now, as you're turning to James one, we've been on the trajectory of faith. We've used Joseph. And we go way, 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 way back to, to literally months ago. And remember, Joseph at the age of 17 had an incredible dream. And the dream was that his brothers, all 10 of them, would bow before him. His father would bow before him. And because of his arrogance and the way he did it, they got ticked off at him. They, they threw him into a pit. Ultimately, they wanted to kill him, but they didn't. And so instead, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. He was a slave for a couple of years and then... Uh, his master's wife, Potiphar, she falsely accused him. And so remember, he was in prison. Now, when we look at Joseph's journey of faith, we begin to see all the, the different trials and tribulations that he would go through. Just think about all the things he would do. But remember this, the vision and the dream that, that God gave him, he wouldn't let it die. And he had many, many opportunities to let it die. But he kept on through, through patience and perseverance. And the big thing, he kept on trusting God, even in difficult situations. So where you're at tonight, it, it may seem hard. It may seem difficult. But man, allow the things of God to reawaken you and begin to trust God. And again, I encourage you, Don't allow quitting to become a habit in your life. Many times, if we're not careful, quitting becomes our identity. And it's very easy to quit in in things in life. Don't quit. Don't do that. You know, let me share this, that I I was raised in a a coach's home. My dad was a football and a track and cross-country coach. And so um, we were brought up to play to win in everything we did. I mean, he he said, you play to win and everything. Well, I remember in junior high that I, I played at a school there that we were always pretty good in football. We were horrible in basketball. I mean, to make a layup was a big deal. We were that bad. And so I remember one year before Christmas, I don't know that we had won a game, and we lose to a team, and it's bad. It's bad, and I wasn't a real good loser. And so I remember over the holidays that my dad said, hey, you're supposed to go to basketball practice. And I said, no, I don't think I'm going to go. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, actually, I'm going to quit. And he looked at me and he said, no, you're not. He said, you tried out for the team and you made the team. And he said, you're going to finish the year. And he said, now next year, if you don't want to play, that's fine. But this year, you tried out for the team and you're on the team and you're not going to quit. Well, and I looked at him like, what are you talking about? Tick me off, you know. And then the later on I went in life, I began to realize my dad didn't want us to begin to allow quitting, even in the little things, to become a habit. And so this is what I begin to see with jo- Joseph. Part of his DNA was, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up, even on my dreams. So we begin tonight in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, fellow believers... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when, when you fall into various trials. Now notice there, he didn't say if you fall into various trials. 
He said, when you fall into them. So he's warning us again. They're going to come. And remember in uh, John 16, 33, it says, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have trials. But he goes back and he says, count it all joy. And a week ago in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 3, it said, we are to glory in tribulation. Now, I, I, I have a hard time at times wrapping my mind around those thoughts. Count it all joy when we fall into various trials and tribulations. And so when you begin to look at these things, there's a warning right here that we're not exempt from trials and tribulations. But what James does here is he begins to give us the proper attitude in meeting as adversity and the proper ad, uh, the proper uh, uh, thought when adversity comes to you is count it all joy. Count it all joy. Now, I believe all of us are still a work in process in this, but I begin to see this more and more. Now, as we look at this here, the joys that he's talking about is not an emotional reaction per se, but it's viewing these trials as means of, of moral and spiritual growth. How many of you understand this? We don't grow when life is easy. When life is easy, man, we are some lazy boy folks. But when life starts getting difficult, guess what happens? You find out what's really on the inside of you. You begin to find out what you're really trusting and who you're really believing in. So this is what he's talking about. Now, listen to this proverb right here. This is Proverbs 24.10. It says, if you falter in a day of adversity, your strength is small. So when I read that, I've thought, I faltered before in a day of adversity. I faltered. And my strength was small. But you know what? Proverbs 24, 7 says, A righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting back up. See, the key isn't whether we fall or not. We're going to fall at times, but i got to keep getting back up. And so to get back up, that means I'm not going to quit. Verse 2, 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So he begins to tell me here that when we walk in these trials and tribulations, it's literally a test of our faith to find out what's on the inside of us. And so he says the testing of our faith produces patience. Now, one thing I believe every one of us in this room understand about patience Every one of us in here, we desire patience, and we all need it. True. Yes. So you see right here, so when we read this, I believe we're all playing on the same playing field. We all need patience. Now, in looking at at what he's talking about right here, patience only occurs... By going through trials and having our faith tested. That's the only way he said it. And the word patience here means endurance. Again, it means perseverance. A positive steadfast that bravely endures. A positive. So again, even when I'm in the storms of life, I can be positive. But it's interesting. It says that we bravely endure. The next thing that he talks about that in that verse is he says testing. Testing carries the idea of proving just what's genuine within you. And the last thing he says is trials. And the trials come 
as a discipline to purge our faith. That it begins to carve us up to say, let's see what you're really believing and who you're really looking to. So the test of faith is going to produce something good within me called patience. And another definition of patience is waiting with contentment. Not just to wait, but to wait with contentment. In other words, you know, God's doing something. God's doing something. Now, I I can revert back to my life, and I I remember for about 13 years, I waited, but it wasn't with patient contentment. It was with patient belly aching and whining and, God, why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that? But about 20 years ago, when I was roughly 35, I remember one day I'd been praying and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if the rest of my life, if I work where I was working and I serve in the church in any capacity, I said, Lord, I'm going to be content to do it. And I'm going to do it with all my heart and all my might. And I begin to live it out. And it's very interesting that I think back that that when that patience with contentment began to happen, doors started opening incredibly. It was almost like, golly, I wish I'd have got this 10 years ago. And so again, understand the words of patience. Verse number four. But let patience have its perfect work. Now, there's a, there's a teaching just right there within that sentence. He tells me in you, That patience has a work that it needs to do in each one of us. So he's saying, let patience have its work. That you may be perfect. The word perfect there literally means mature and complete, lacking nothing. So what he's telling us here is that perfect work that God wants to use patience to happen in my life is is to complete me. And mature me. It's interesting how all this, this is talked about right here, especially when you look at, at Joseph's life. Now, again, there's a difference between patience and perseverance. Patience is a short time. Patience would be like on your way home in rush hour. That could be 30 minutes. Patience is standing in a line at Walmart. You think it's eternity, but it's 30 minutes. However, perseverance are tests that are for years, years and years and years. And so think about this with Joseph. From the time he had the dream until the time he walked in the dream, it was 13 years. That's a perseverance test. Now, every one of us, we thought we walked through daily patience tests. But most of us in this room right now are in some form of a perseverance test. That has gone on and it's gone on and it's gone on. And we must understand this. The way that it's achieved is for me to learn patience and to to wait with contentment. And God will begin to move in our life. Now, if you remember last week in the book of Romans chapter 5, it said, starting in about verse 3, tribulation produces perseverance. The only way we find perseverance is through tribulations and trials. Perseverance produces character. 
Now, remember, perseverance is for a period of time. So in a period of time, when we're going through tribulations and then perseverance, it's working on us character. Now, when we talk about the word character, the word character has to do with integrity and honesty. Where I begin to do stuff with character. Now, I wish I could tell you this would be wonderful if we could have a line down here tonight and we were able to lay hands on each other and say, Oh, Father God, we thank you for perseverance and character. That would be wonderful, but that's not how it's going to happen. Tribulations produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces a godly hope. That's what begins to happen within every one of us. And so character, guys, is very essential that it's one of the things that will support the destiny and the dreams that God calls each one of us to have. And without character... You can fool a lot of people, some people. You can lie, you can cheat, you can deceive, you can manipulate. But before long, your true character is going to show up. Now, I want you to think about this. How many of you know people that you've seen, they've jumped the gun in these areas and they've got ahead of God? And they did stuff to try to, to manipulate God. Now, this is what we'll talk about a little bit more tonight. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Ooh, God's going to work in us. He's perfecting us. He's perfecting me. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. Wait, I'm way off. Hebrews 5, verse 5. I'm back in Romans. Listen real close to this. So also, Christ did not glorify or exalt himself to become high priest. But he was appointed or exalted, as was he who said to him. Now, this is God. You are my son today. I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, what he's talking about here is Jesus had a divine appointment, yes, but there was a human side of Jesus also. And when you look at what took place with Jesus, many times we think, well, the only reason all this happened to Jesus is because he was the son of God. That's not all true. He was the son of God. But if you know within the Bible, when Jesus was on the earth, he was tested with the very same sins as we were. So when Jesus came to earth, he was human just like we were. The only difference with Jesus is he never sinned. Verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, he had a flesh just like me and you guys. When he was, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Now, again here, when you begin to see the godly fear, it was literally referring to his reverent submission to the will of God. When I live with godly fear, just as we read about Abraham, it's because he lived with godly obedience. He said, I want your will to be done, Father God. Remember when Jesus was, was here on earth and he said in uh, Luke 22, I believe it is, he said, Father God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, this next verse is real important. Verse 9. Verse 8, those he was a son, yet he learned obedience 
by the things which he suffered. I want you to get that right there. He learned obedience by the things he suffered or the things he went through. So it tells me right there, even Jesus, when he was on this earth, because of the trials and the things of this life, he learned obedience. This is the same for me and you, that we learn obedience. And so when you look at this, we weren't born with character. We weren't born with those things. It is learned and developed. And when you begin to see the process or the trajectory of faith, even with Joseph, it was a continuous process. Year by year by year by year by year. And I like this thought right here. One of the worst things that can happen to people is that they succeed before they're ready. What do I mean by that? They have incredible success, but they have no character. And oftentimes, in sporting events, you see that. You see men with great abilities, but a lot of times they have no character. And so because of that, many times they get in trouble and many times they fail. And so when you read this right here, again, you see year after year what Joseph went through. The trajectory of faith. Now, I want you to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 40. And this is pick up with Joseph. And, and when I look at his life, he went through such a long and difficult trial. But think about this, what was going on. He was being perfected. He was being made complete. He was having patience developed within him. Genesis chapter 40. Now, let me tell you where we're at here in the story with Joseph. He's now in prison because of what Potiphar's wife. And remember, last week we studied that even when he was in prison, God favored him, God blessed him. So while he's in prison, there were two guys, a butler and a baker. And these two fellows that did some things that offended the Pharaoh, the king, and he throws them in jail. And there they meet up with Joseph. Now, this is where we begin in, in Genesis 40, verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, they had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. They were upset. They were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Aren't they God's business? And so right here, God was also uh, obviously the point of, of Joseph's life. I mean, Joseph is thinking about God right here. He said, listen, aren't dreams of God? Doesn't God give the interpretations? So the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, it was though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then the Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, pressed them into the Pharaoh's cups, and placed the cup in his hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. 
The three branches are three days. Now within three days, the Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. Now, this was interpretation he gave him. Now watch what takes place here, verse 14. But remember me when it is well with you. And please show kindness or favor to me and make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. Now, can I tell you what happens here? Let me paraphrase this just a little bit, what happens. The butler completely forgets him for two years. And one of the reasons I believe this happens is because verse 14. Now, watch closely here. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show me kindness. Make mention of me to the Pharaoh and get me out of this house. So you know what Joseph does now? He tries to take a shortcut. And he tries to get man to do for him what God wanted to do for him. And instead of allowing God to promote him, he began to look to man to promote him. Now, when I read this right here, I believe probably every one of us in this room have done that before. We've we've said to people, hey, hey, can you do this for me? We've dropped hints to people. I need this. I need that. But here's what happens. If Joseph's prayers would have been answered through the butler, Joseph would have probably gone through life and he would begin to think, you know what? If I need promoted in life, all I got to do is go twist John's hand or Bobby's hand or Sally's hand. But in this situation, you know what God was showing him? Two more years, buddy. Because you quit trusting me. So you begin to see the trajectory of faith that part of it is all the way through my dreams and all the way through my life from trial to trial to I gotta keep trusting God. I can't make people the, the center of my attention to think, golly, if it would just be this, if I could just marry Prince Charming. Again, you know what happens? We start looking to mankind to fulfill what only God can do. Chapter 41, verse 1. I'm almost done. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that the Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he stood by the river. So now we see Joseph's in two more years. Actually, from the time he was sent to prison until he got out, was 10 years. 10 years of his life. Now, a lot of times we can look and think, oh my gosh, those were 10 wasted years. No, remember, he's being perfected. He's being matured. He's being made complete. So the Pharaoh has this dream, and he brings all his magicians, uh, all his staff that he has, and they're ungodly, and none of them, not one of them, can interpret the dream. So now in chapter 41, we pick up at verse 9. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with the servant and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. Now, I didn't tell you about the baker. 
You know what the interpretation for the baker's dream was? He hears the butler's dream and he's like, yeah, that's good news. And he looks and says, he going to hang you, buddy. And guess what happened? He did. So that's what happened to the baker. I guess it's the difference between being a butler or a baker. No, I'm just kidding. Verse 11. So we each had a dream one night, and I, each of us, and, and of us, he dreamed according to the interpretations of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he inter- in- interpreted our dreams for us to each man that interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted us, so it happened, he restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, and they changed his clothing, and it came to Pharaoh. Now, it's interesting here. How many of you have ever known that many times in our life, God moves when we least expect it? I, I really believe he's saying, you know what? If I'm going to be in the prison all these years, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do what's right. And then, boom, right here, this is what's happened. Verse 16. So Joseph answered the Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. It is not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, right here, you begin to see some of Joseph's character flaws have been corrected. He begins to realize, it's not by my abilities, it's God. It's the gifts that God's put inside of me. And so anytime we get over and we start thinking, oh my gosh, we are people with all this power and godliness and we can turn it on and off whenever we want, you better get ready. But in his answer right here, you see humility come out. And he doesn't look to himself, but he looks to God. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, and it's not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so you know the rest of the story here now. He gives him the answer. And the answer blesses him so much that before long, he goes from the pit to the prison to prime minister. But it was all through the timing of God. And again, I want you to hold fast to the trajectory of faith here. I don't believe he ever quit believing God. I believe he trusted God through all those trials, all the stuff that was going on, all the hard times, and saying, Father God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust all that you do. In in Psalms 37, 23, it says that God will order the steps of a righteous man. And when we are righteous, it's through the blood of Jesus that we begin to look to God and we trust God. And so I don't know where you're at today. If you're in trials, tribulations, understand God is working on you. You're a work in process. You're the potter. He's the clay. And you know what he says sometimes? You got to get back in the oven. I'm not done with you. And he keeps molding me, and he molds me, and he shapes me. And so again, remember, he wants you to be perfected, complete, mature. He wants you to have perseverance, patience, and character. That's his ultimate goal for every one of us. And so the thought is this, all right, Father God, if you're the potter and I'm the clay, then have at me. 
go ahead and start getting all the air bubbles out of me and work me over whatever I need. And I just begin to surrender and begin to let him do this. And so again, today, I want to wake dreams back up in you, okay? I believe part of reading this is to let us know God's got plans. He's got things that he wants us to do in our lives. Man, he's got to work on us. Why don't you stand up? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.